Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Hey, we're into part two of our series called Money Talks. And if our money could talk, what would it say to us? Now, actually, I'm not sure that we'd be that surprised at the advice our money would give us. But what is surprising is the parallel between what our money would say and what Jesus did say about money. Now, Johnny mentioned last week that uh, Jesus said more about money than he did about prayer, about church or heaven. And maybe it's because the phrase, there is no money, is a worse concept for us than there is no heaven. And maybe money is more important to us than we think, and so he uses it to get our attention. Now, last week, Johnny highlighted the first thing that money would say to us if it could talk. It would say this, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. And Johnny used this great true story of his friend, Jack, who changed his outlook and his view on money from it being his money to it being a means to an end. You know, Jack said, I found my adventure to live, to make as much money as I can and to give away as much as I can. And I just love that. You know, money becomes more meaningful when we begin to view it and use it as a means to an end that isn't ourselves. And that's what I want to build on today. You know, the second thing that money would tell us if it could talk is this, is that your self-control determines which of us gets control. Now, this isn't about how much we have. It's about what we do with what we have. And our self-control will determine who gets control, whether we have control over our money and spending or whether our money controls us. You know, the financial pressure many of us feel has much less to do with how much we make and more about what we do with it. I mean, imagine going to Zambia next year with a Forge team and you sit down one day with some care workers. These are a bunch of volunteers who go into people's homes of child-led families uh, and they sit and, and talk with them. And you chat with them about life in the UK and then you tell them how much you earn, the financial pressure you're under, and then clock their response. I tell you, they would jump at the chance if they could have that much money. I'll tell you, all of their dreams would just come true. You see, we forget that we are so rich compared to over half the world's population. And because we live with little or no margin, we feel this huge pressure. So we say, if only I had more money. And money would say to us, if only you had more self-control. Your self-control determines who or what gets control of your life. So what's your self-control like when it comes to spending? I mean, do you stick to a shopping list or are you an impulsive buyer? You see it, you like it, you buy it. And when you bought your house or looked to rent, did you go for the maximum budget? Did you increase your maximum budget or stay well short of it in order to create margin? And when you placed that first bet on playing that first online game, did you put a cap on what you'd spend or did you just get carried away with the excitement? You know, some of the biggest anxieties regarding money comes as a lack of, uh, because of a lack of self-control. 
And something else money would say to us is this, is that I'm a better servant than a master. I'll always go where you send me. And this is where faith intersects with our finances. If you're a Christian, if you have Jesus' spirit living in you, God will always be nudging us towards self-control. You know, Paul, a follower of Jesus who wrote many of the letters found in the New Testament, he wrote about this tension between self-control and our desire for stuff. And he writes to Christians in an area called Galatia, now modern day Turkey, and he writes these words. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. In other words, don't just do what you feel like doing. Allow the Holy Spirit to shape your decisions, your actions and your responses. You know, he's going to be nudging you towards what's right, what's good. And when you listen, what happens? Well, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And it's this fruit that we long to see in other people's lives, but God wants to shape in ours. It's of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and there it is, self-control. You know, it's hardly surprising that the God who loves us and who invites us into a relationship with him would nudge us towards self-control. Why? Well, it's because God knows what you know, that nobody wants to be mastered by an appetite. Over the years, I've sat with many broken people who shared how they'd allowed their appetite to master them. You know, alcoholics who couldn't control their drinking habits, gamblers who faced huge debts because they couldn't stop, addicts who started taking drugs for fun, but now they just can't shake the need. Every one of them wished they weren't in the place that they found themselves in. And every one of them wished they had had self-control earlier. Nobody wants to be mastered by an appetite. And besides, if we're Christians, if we're followers of Jesus, then we already have a master. You know, Jesus spoke brilliantly into this. One day he was sitting on a mountainside with his disciples. He was teaching them the new way to live. And he says this, no one can serve two masters. Now, you'd think he'd qualify that by saying, no one can serve both God and the devil, or no one can serve both God and yourself. But Jesus doesn't say either. What he says is both surprising and insightful. You can't serve both God and money. In other words, Jesus views money and our desire for more as his biggest competitor for our heart and devotion. I think that's why he spoke so much about it. Because everyone is at risk of making money their ultimate pursuit or their ultimate concern, which makes it their ultimate. I mean, do you have money or does money have you? That's what Jesus would ask you. Is money where we're looking to find our security, our happiness, even our value? If so, that's in direct opposition to finding our security, joy and value in Jesus. That's why he's right when he says no one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. So becoming a Christian might not sound like a great deal because it means surrendering what we have and giving God access to our finances. And that seems crazy, you know, because we like to be in control of our finances. But Jesus addresses this in a way that we can all understand because he speaks about priorities. He says the trick to keeping our money and our appetite out of the driving seat of our lives is to prioritize something else. And so he goes on to say this, seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, put it first and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. 
Now, the kingdom of God is a God and others first kind of kingdom and me second. You know, Jesus taught this, he lived this, he demonstrated this over and over again. Living righteously basically means living as Jesus did, which is putting God and others first. And when we do, well, he gives you everything you need. All those things that you worry about, Jesus says, trust me and I'll give you everything you need. So get your priorities in order. Put God and others first. So important because when we put ourselves first, we always come in last. So when we put ourselves first, we have a difficult time saying no to us. Eventually, we're mastered, not by us, but by our appetites. But you know, there's a better way. You and I were created to seek first our creator. Because you see, when things get out of order, things get disordered. That's why our money would say to us, you know, yourself, deter your self-control determines which of us gets control. I'm a better servant than a master. I'll always go where you send me. So what do we do? Well, we need to put God first. And how do we do that with our finances? Well, we need to reprioritize. We need to do what Jesus told us to do. And that's put others first before ourselves. We're to switch the finance priority list. And what's the usual order? You know, how can we think about our finances? Well, this is what it normally is. It's live, save and give. Starts with live. You know, I'm going to live and spend whatever I want on me. Then it's save. I'm going to save a little for my future kingdom, a holiday, a car, whatever. And then it's give. If I have anything left over after that, I might give to charity. Live, save, give. That's a me first living with some leftover giving. Now, it's not very inspiring, but it's how many people live and prioritize their finances. But if we want to seek God's kingdom first above everything else, if we want to put God and others first, we need to flip the list. But this is scary. What's flipping the list? It's give, save, live. Give first. Prioritize something or someone other than us financially is evidence of submission, of putting God's kingdom first. Andy Stanley, who's teaching, uh, we're basing this series around, says comically, tell your money to go is proof your money ain't running the show. Now, more importantly, giving first is a key habit that will lead to a richer, deeper, more intimate relationship with your heavenly father. Jesus was so clear about this. The litmus test of our devotion to God is our willingness to put him and others first in the arena of our money and possessions. So if you're not doing this already, I want to give you a two month challenge. Uh, whether you have faith or not, I want to give you this challenge. For the next two months, choose a percentage of your income and give it away as soon as you get paid. Choose a percentage, uh, maybe 4%, 5 or 8 or 10%. Set it high enough so that at least there's this kind of feel about it. Where should you give it? Well, anywhere or to anyone who, th who you think will benefit from it. Maybe it's an organization that supports something that you love or you feel passionate about. Maybe it's a family or an individual who you know is struggling at this time. You know, the point is to pre-decide to give and to give first as soon as you get paid. But the second part is almost as important as the first. Over these two months, when you choose to give first, pay attention to the internal tension this creates. Listen closely to the conversations you have in your mind because you're probably going to begin right now, you know, the one you're having with me. You know, what makes you not want to do this? 
Be honest with yourself, listen to your excuses, but do it anyway for two months. And you may discover that it's not really about money, but actually it's about something else. Maybe it's about where you find your security or happiness or even your value. It may be what Jesus said. You may be wrestling with who or what is going to function as your master. And if your money could talk, it might remind you, I'm a better servant than I am a master. Listen, I was raised this way. I've, I've never known anything different. This is easy for me. Sarah and I have encouraged our children to give. Why? Because the church needs their money? No, it's because we don't want money to get our children. The issue is priority, who or what comes first. And this is big. Until Jesus is first in your finances, he's not first in your life. You're not a follower, you're a user. What did Jesus say? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So go on, I dare you. Two months, give away a percentage of your income straight away and listen to the struggle, the conversation in your head. And you'll be reminded of the battle that we're involved in when it comes to seeking God's kingdom above everything else. Live righteously and discover that he will give you everything you need. Two months, come on. And please don't miss the final installment of Money Talks next week. Let me pray for you. Father, I wanna ask that you would help us to get the right priorities in life. Lord, money is so useful and so good, but when it gets put first, Lord, it can just mess our lives. And so I pray that you would help us to put your kingdom, put you first, put others first and help us with this challenge and discover that as we do so, as we put you first and as we live your way, that you will meet all of our needs. In Jesus' name. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Ford. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.